So <clears throat> we've been talking about Acts 29, and that's the, the, just the theme that we have for the year is Acts 29. Obviously, if you read the book of Acts, it ends at Acts 28. So why are we talking about Acts 29 if the book ends at Acts 28? Because you and I, in this generation, on this time on the earth, we're writing Acts 29. The actions that we take, the things that we do, and how we flow with the Spirit and the ministry that God's left to us is literally Acts 29. So we are writing history. Everybody say history. We are writing history right now. There's a song out called History Maker, and it's a, it's a I don't know, I guess it might be an older song, uh, but it came out when I was a youth pastor, but I, I still feel like it's good and fresh, just like I am, right? Uh, still hip, just like me. But the reality is, is we have a history that we are writing. Thank you very much. We have a history that we are writing, and that history is very important. And I can tell you, in no other time in our lifetime do I believe that the history that we are writing this year is more important. I believe that we are at a place where it's time for the church to woke, right? It's time for the church to be awake and understanding that we have a call and that it's not a time for us to get afraid. It's not a time for us to walk in fear. It's not a time for us to feel defeated because our guy didn't win or because this is going on or that's going on. This is a time to realize that Jesus is still king and that means it's still king in my heart and I, I still got a mission. I still got a passion. I still got something to do on this earth and every one of you are important to that mission. Every one of you are. I don't care what your history is. I don't care what we've done in the past. Paul made it very clear that God's grace is bigger than your history. He's bigger than the things and the problems that you have created in your life. And you've got a purpose. Your purpose is not bigger than my purpose. My purpose is not bigger than your purpose. We all just got one. Right? And so we got to fulfill that. So we are looking at Acts 29. So what we're doing is we're literally going through the book of Acts, Scripture by Scripture. And so we're going to go all the way through the book of Acts this year, Scripture by Scripture. And trust me, it's not going to be boring. Uh, the book of Acts is a very exciting book. We're going to put some different themes on it, and we're going to change directions sometimes. But we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. So last week, we went through Acts 1 and 2. If you want to know what we said last week about Acts 1 and 2, I'm not going to review that. You can go review that online, right? How many of you guys know you're big people and you're adults? If you miss church, it's okay to go online and, and get what you missed, right? All right, so I'm not going to repeat that today because if I got to Acts 27 and you wanted me to repeat everything I talked about, we're going to be here a long time, so I don't want to do that. Got me? How many of you guys are happy about that, right? How many of you guys are happy to be adults, right? Right? Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm not. All right. So Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. That's how far we're getting today. All right? I promise you we're going to move faster in certain times. But man, this thing, this verse right here, as I started studying this out, mess with me. I will tell you that when I got finished writing this sermon, I repented in my office. 
And I, I had to take some time to pray as I was through with this and I got done studying, all right? So uh, you can just look for, forward to what's ahead. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3, in the New Living Translation, uh, if you are, are, you have pew Bibles, by the way, uh, that should be in your pews. Um, I didn't go back and look this week. Uh, somebody remind me this week. I need to do that to see if there's some in the chair. Uh, we moved a lot of them just because we pulled them during uh, the times of COVID, all right? So, but it is on, if you have Pew Bible, it's on page 905, if you want to turn your turn there, 905. It says this, Acts 1-3, it says, during the 40 days, everybody say 40 days, after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways, everybody say many ways, that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. There's a lot in this verse. There's a lot in this verse, and I'm going to share this with you. Now I want to read this out of the Passion Translation, and uh, I believe that's going to be up on the screen as well. The Passion Translation says this. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to those same apostles over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs. I misspelled that. Many convincing things. All right. So I will tell you, I have a program. I like programs, and they will put the verses in there with me. My program hasn't caught up with the Passion Translation, so I had to type this in there. All right. So this is signs. Seeings is dyslexic for signs. All right. Does that work? That he had been resurrected, and during these encounters, he taught the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. I love Jesus. He ate all the time. You know what? I mean, he was so good. The guy ate a lot, right? He shared meals with them. And the Bible talks about that, right? I love the fact that Jesus was not a vegetarian. He ate fish. That's me. Okay. It could have been paleo or whatever that is. What is it? Pescatarian. All right. Anyways, you guys throw me off. All right. So, but after the suffering, so there are many significant points in this one verse. But the main picture of this verse is that Jesus showed up after he was crucified to prove that he was alive and then to appear to his disciples. And, and prepare his disciples for what he was going to do next. Jesus showed up. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like almost that, you know, we like to watch uh, those superhero shows. And you always know when the superhero shows up, it's like the crowd backs off and lets the superhero do what he needs to do. Well, Jesus showed up that day. And I, I just, I... I you know, if we read in the scriptures of when they first acknowledged him, you know, one of the places where he showed up first was when he appeared to them through the wall. I mean, that was like the coolest thing in the world. He was still fully flesh. He was still fully bone, and he appeared to them through the wall. How he did that, wow, that's amazing. I don't know. But Jesus showed up, and when he showed up to them, he, he showed that he was alive, and he prepared them for what was going to happen next. So Jesus presented himself Alive. Everybody say alive. Jesus is not dead. He is not dead. There are some people that have preached or some religions out there that believe that Jesus survived the cross. 
It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because if you've ever studied the crucifixions, what they were saying is the Romans didn't know what they were doing because they didn't crucify Jesus so he could live. They crucified him so that they could persecute him and kill him at a slow death. But there are some people that believe that Jesus actually lived and that there is a shrine in India to Jesus because they believe Jesus went to India after that. But that's ridiculous. Jesus is alive, and he's still alive today. He is with us right now. His love, as we sing about this morning, is poured out to us right now. Jesus is alive. That puts a smile on my face. That puts some faith inside of me. That makes my heart happy to know that Jesus is alive. I get excited about that. I get kind of thrilled about that. I get those the Holy Ghost goosebump kind of stuff when we talk about Jesus being alive because he's alive. And so if he's alive, I, I can literally sit when I see the world go in chaos, I can sit and say, but my Jesus is still alive and he's seated on the throne. That's good news, right? That is the gospel that we have on the inside of us. That's good stuff. Everybody say good stuff. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the reality. He is alive. Romans 8, verse 11. Now, let me tell you this. This is another cool verse. Romans 8, verse 11 says this, that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, how did Jesus overcome death? By the Spirit of God. He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You know, when we know that Jesus is alive, we also can say, I am alive because he is alive. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, listen, you can line up Jesus among every other God out there. No one overcame death. I'm going to tell you right now, Muhammad is dead. He's in the grave. Buddha is dead. He is in the grave. There is no God out there. Harry, Krishna, whatever they want. There is no God out there, but Jesus is alive, and he is the one that overcame death, hell, and the grave. He has been raised from the dead. And that same power that was in Jesus is now in me and you. Man, I need to overcome some stuff in my life. You need to tap into the power of God that's on the inside of you. Because if he overcame the the death, what do you think he can overcome in your life right now? What do you think he can overcome and use you in right now? What are places that God can put you that you can see the power of God manifested in powerful ways because you know what's inside of you? You know, I'm going to tell you right now, I think 95% of the church today has no clue what's inside of them. I can prove that because if we really knew what was inside of us, our world wouldn't look what it is, like it does. What are you saying? It's our fault? Yes, I am. So Jesus is alive. And then the Bible says that he stayed with them for 40 days. 40 days is a significant number. The number 40 is the number of completion. How many of you guys know everything written in the Bible is important, even when you read those begans and begats? Right? I mean, I'm I'm like you. When I start reading the begans and the begats, I start to skim. 
right? But there's times where I'm going to dive in and I'm going to study a little bit more. I'm going to find out those begins and begats are actually significant in certain things in Scripture. Well, the numbers are significant as well. The number 40 is the number of completion, right? And so we can find that Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness before he ever went out and began to preach. The children of Israel traveled 40 days before they entered into the promised land. They finished marching after 40 days, number of completion. Noah was in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights during the flood. You see where I'm going here. Jesus completed his mission on the earth 40 days after his resurrection. Jesus did everything necessary. Do you know that Jesus has done everything necessary for this world to be a part of the kingdom of God? Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be successful in the kingdom of God. He's done it all. Jesus has done everything necessary for you to do the will of God. There's nothing more that Jesus needs to do. It's completed. It's done. That's what that number, when he stood 40 days with them, what he was saying is on day 40, guess what? I've completed my work here on this earth. I am going to be ascended, which we talked about ascension last week. So if you want to go back and watch that last week, you can. But 40 days he was with them, and then he ascended saying, I'm done. Now it's yours. And so for 40 days, Jesus did that. The scripture goes on to say that he proved he was alive by convincing signs. Passion translation says, Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs. You know, when you look at Jesus, I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus walking on the earth, I see Jesus doing some, I mean, he taught. But the thing about Jesus' teaching is he believed that I, I will teach and I will do. The church is becoming very good at learning, but we're not have, have very much success at doing. I mean, we can feed the poor, and that's very important that we do that. We can fulfill these actions, but anything that involves a supernatural work, we struggled with. The problem is, Jesus said, you've seen many great works, you'll do even greater works. That's a challenging scripture to me, because that's what Jesus said we would do, right? So where are the greater works? I mean, feeding the poor, that's an important work. That is very important work, and it's an action that we can take. But how many of you guys know, I don't think Jesus was just talking about feeding the poor. And how many of you guys know when Jesus fed the hungry, he did it in a miraculous way? Jesus didn't do anything uh, half-witted or non-spiritual. He did it powerfully, right? And so here's Jesus, and he said, even greater works. Even greater works. Everybody say greater. So he proved to them with many convincing signs that he was alive. Can you imagine being in that group? Can you imagine that that just being there, you know, Jesus didn't just show them the scars. I mean, we know that he went to Thomas and he said, look at my scars. And, and, and he did those and he said uh, that blessed are those that will believe without seeing. And he showed him those signs. But I believe Jesus did some other stuff. 
I believe Jesus walked on the earth for those 40 days and he continued to talk to his disciples and he continued to show them different signs. You know, one of the things I love reading in Scripture, you know, when Jesus was raised from the dead, that there were also people that were raised from the dead that day as well. And they walked. People of the old covenant, powerful people, they were raised from the dead as well that day. Did you guys know that? And they walked on the earth. Crazy. I'm telling you, you cannot look at the Bible with sanity. If you're trying to say earthly sane, looking at Scripture is always going to, you're always going to find an excuse for why something doesn't work. Right? But if I look at it in a spiritual, powerful way, I'm always going to be looking for how something miraculous can happen. And when Jesus does something miraculous, I'm going to look at it and say, I get it. That's cool. And you know what? When I look at it in a spiritual way, when I see that, I would say, Jesus did it. Ooh, that means that's a greater work. And he said, I will do even greater works. That's a pretty powerful statement to make, and that's to make that's made to the church. That's made to us. That's not made to the specially anointed holy ones like Jim Hockaday walking in here and, and seeing people healed. It's, it's made to everybody. The question is, who taps into it? Who's going to believe? You know, we spend more time, it seems like, on the earth today trying to convince people that God is a spiritual God that does spiritual acts and does great and mighty miracles and, and convincing them that those things are actually real. When the reality is, is we shouldn't have to spend time convincing them. We should just be showing them all the time. How many of you guys know that Jesus of the Bible in the works that he did is still alive? Where is he, where is he alive at? In you and me. We are the Acts generation. We are the Acts generation. Jesus closed out and he said, he, in the scripture says that he taught them, and I like what the Passion Translation, he says he taught them about the kingdom realm. How many of you guys know there are different realms that we live in today? Just like we have the earth and then we have uh, the galaxy and we have space, there's different realms that are in there. And, and you know there's separation of those realms, but yet we have a different realm where we have what we see in the natural, but then we have the spiritual. God never meant for those two to work against each other. He meant for those things to merge with one another. And so when Jesus began to talk to them about the kingdom realm, he already taught them to pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, bringing the kingdom together. And so I believe what Jesus was doing was reminding them of everything that he taught them about the kingdom realm. Why was he reminding them about it? Because he was about to take the keys and hand the keys to them. Because the Bible says that he has given us the keys to the kingdom. What do keys do? They unlock 
doors, and when you, it's almost like this idea that if I unlock the door, what's behind the door is mine, and I can go put it into practice, and I can put it into place, right? So if there was a car that was behind the door, right? I'm thinking of a car. I'm thinking of Larry's machine shop. <laughs> I'm thinking of a certain car. You know, I can unlock that door. When I unlock that door, if I got the keys to that car, right? If Larry hands me the keys to that car, I got permission to drive that car. If you don't know what that car is, you have to find out one day. I don't know that I want to say that out loud, right? But it's a car, right? Amy, you know, I was going to tell you, Larry, we were driving by the um, the wrestling tournament yesterday, and Brayden and I saw a BMW car that looks almost just like yours. I was like, man, that's a nice, expensive car sitting out there, and they brought it to a wrestling match, but I guess they were planning on getting out of there fast. But he unlocked the keys of the kingdom. The king, I want you to hear this, all right? So what I'm going to say in the next few minutes, I want you to get a hold of. Because everything I just said, I'm going to share something with you that I believe the Lord has just really placed in my heart. It's a word for us today. The king and the kingdom are visible when we do the will of God. Can I say that again? The king and the kingdom are visible when we do the will of God. The will of God is beyond feeding the poor. Jesus said he wanted his will on earth to look like heaven. How many of you guys know the will of God is heaven's work on the earth? And the Bible says that he has given us those keys so that we can do the will of God on the earth. And when we do the will of God, it shows the king and the kingdom. So I got a closing thought, but this is like a a long closing thought, all right? So don't think we're leaving soon. I said all that. Everything I said, so we talked about that Jesus is alive. We talked about 40 is the number of completion, that he's finished it and he's done. We talked about how Jesus showed them many convincing signs that he was alive and that he was still working. And we talked about the fact that Jesus taught them about the kingdom realm. All those things are important as he talked to his disciples. I want you to know something. Jesus talking to the disciples is just like Jesus talking to you. So you are in that crowd. You are a part of that piece of the puzzle because you're a part of the body of Christ. So when Jesus talked to the disciples, he's talking to you and he's talking to me. All right? Let me ask you a question. How many churches do you think there are in America right now? How many churches do you think are in America right now? I don't know that answer. But most of you, your brains were like, there's no way. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, millions probably. It's a lot, right? It's a lot of churches. And, and every day, someone is going to those churches, whether it's, you know, five people or 5,000 people. They're attending the church, right? Th- those church doors Uh, even with all this stuff going on, most church doors across America, they're open somehow. 
right? So people are coming and participating in church, right? In what we call church. You're here. Hopefully you're participating, right? You're participating by being here and, and making the time to be here. Well, let me ask you another question. With all the churches that we have in America, how many cities can we name that have been transformed by the gospel? How many cities can we say have been transformed? Can we say Perry, Oklahoma? Which Perry, Oklahoma, for our size town, we have a lot of churches. We have a lot of churches here. We have good pastors, good people. But is our city transformed? You know, at Perry Assembly of God, our, our, our theme is to lead people to a life-transforming relationship with God. How many people are we seeing transformed? Jesus took these 11 disciples and he poured into their life. They were transformed by being with Jesus. The kingdom of God is visible when his children are doing the will of God. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you discipled somebody? When was the last time that you spoke into someone's life? I, I have found this. Transformation usually doesn't happen by a large church attendance. Transformation happens through relationship. Transformation happens through me getting on fire and letting that fire spread to you. Jesus said this, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, of all, all the people across the earth. Go and make disciples of them. And that's a huge task. And, and, you know, a lot of times we can look at how big that task might be and think that there's no way that we could do that. But God's called us right now at this moment, at this point in our life, to Perry America. Are we seeing our city transformed? Are we seeing people do, do they know where to go to find hope? I mean true hope. Do they know where to go to be able to say, I need an encounter with God? Is there a church having an encounter with God? Is there anybody having an encounter with God? What does that look like? You know people need an encounter, but they don't always know they need an encounter. Jesus sat and he said this thing is completed. I am alive. I am alive. And I, I have spent this time. I have completed my task. And I've given this over to you. I need my phone. I want to read something. I thought I had it in my notes. I shared this.
PowerPoint I'm going to share. I'm going to misquote somebody. But here's the gist of it. This person had written a couple quotes that I just really felt strongly about. I shared it thing on Instagram. And Oh, actually, wait. Hang on. I think I know how to do this. You guys with me? Sorry. It's so good. I want you to hear it. I, I really thought I put it on my notes, but I guess I didn't. Um, um, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I want to go to lunch. Is that it? No, not that one. Sorry. Where did it go? I thought it was supposed to. Maybe I didn't share it. Anyways, well, it was good. I was going to share it. I don't know. I, I I will tell you this. I'm This social media stuff going on uh, is driving me crazy. Um, I think it's uh, it's not a personal opinion, but I just think all the censoring stuff is, is ridiculous. And I don't like it. It makes me not want to mess with anything. And uh, I've if you've tried to share something with me on Facebook, I've just taken a hiatus from it. But here's the deal. This person wrote, it's David uh, David Rayleigh. He's a, uh, been an AG minister for a long, long time. Um, heard him preach for the first time a couple years ago. Man, I'll tell you what, my, my bottom couldn't stay seated. One of those sermons, right? One of the things he shared is that we are so worried about fixing our political system. But if we get the church right, the political system will get fixed but the church isn't right. Why isn't the church right? Because we're not seeing transformation. We're not seeing lives changed. We're content with the Sunday morning ritual of going to church and then leaving here with whatever learned, and we're content with wondering if the pastor's going to preach a good message or not this morning, or if the worship is going to be at the place where it's going to be, instead of wondering, when I leave here today, am I going to be able to touch somebody's life? Am I getting a hold of something? Am I waking up in the morning wondering, is there somebody I can speak into? Is there somebody? Am I, am I putting myself at a place where I'm saying, Father, use me. I know i got to work today. I know that, how many of you guys know God wants you to work? He says, if you don't work, you don't eat. So we understand you have a work schedule to maintain, and he'll bring people across your path. How many of you guys have prayed, Father, send somebody in my way, somebody for me to speak into this year? I got a challenge for you. How about just find one person this year that you can speak into, that you can disciple, that you can raise up, that you can share the love of God with them so that their lives can be transformed by the power of God? What would happen in a church if every one of us got a hold of that? How many of you guys know you can do the math? We wouldn't have to worry about attendance. We'd double in size because one person was reached by one person. But we become so satisfied with just sitting on our derrieres and watching what's going on. We're good with pointing fingers and getting mad at a Democrat or a Republican. We're good at pointing fingers and getting mad at the media and what they're putting out there. And they're putting out junk. I agree. I hate it. The media has ruined America. But church, we got a job to do, and we got something inside of us. You know what the media is doing? The media is doing what the devil wants, and so that's why they're doing what they're doing. Why are we so surprised? We have the greater one on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But we don't get it. We don't understand that we have a resurrected, power-working Jesus on the inside of us to go and do something. 
And you know what? We can shout today. We can get excited today. And I like it. I like it when you preach with me. But you want to make me happy? Go do something with it. God, get us off our thrones of laziness and satisfaction with where we are. Dear Lord, if you think you can put a politician in a place and be able to do what you're called to do, that's your wrong. Listen, there are people out there today that they need Jesus. And they need to know that he loves them. They don't need someone coming and breathing down their throat, telling them everything that they've done wrong. They need freedom. They need transformation. They need to find out that through the blood of Jesus, their hope and and everything is found in there. They've been cleansed by his blood. And that the power of God can set them free from all their addictions, from all their, their lostness that's out there. And everything that everyone is looking for. How many of you guys know the greatest stimulus plan you could ever have is with Jesus? Well, if you know that, are we giving that today? You know, I want to tell you this. I am determined in the church to use whatever means necessary to be able to share the gospel and share the transforming power of God in any way that we can. And you know, right now, God has put the, the media right there for us to be able to use our online talents and our online ways for us to do that. And I'm going to tell you, God's been building us up for this moment. But God wants to use you in the way that God can use you when you go to work, when you're around people, whatever it might be. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will tell you how to do it. Jesus said this. He told his disciples. He said, you will be brought before kings for me. You will be brought before kings. And, you know, we read that and we think they're brought before kings because they're always persecuted. Well, that was a piece of it. But they can be brought before kings for other reasons. Do you know that? You can be brought before somebody in a position of leadership for another reason. And Jesus said, do not worry about what you will say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that moment. You're wondering, well, I don't know how to do something. What God's looking for you to do is just take a step forward and begin to move in that direction. And as you move in that direction, the Holy Spirit will show you the things to say. The Holy Spirit will show you the things. And when you get it wrong, His grace is sufficient for you to mess up and get it wrong. And when other people want to let you know that you did it wrong, you can look at them and go, I got grace. I think one of the reasons why the church is in where it's in because we've had too many people trying to find out what other people are doing wrong. I'm getting on a lot of soapbox. I got to get back. We need to get the church right and it will be the hope of the world. You don't like what's going on? Look inside. So I had the privilege privilege of sitting in my office when I got done and I typed the last sentence of my sermon. I folded my hands on my keyboard and I just began to repent.
I believe there's a holiness coming on the church. God's saying this, you are my chosen people, my special chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Oh, but, but Jesus, you don't know the drug habit I've had. Oh, Jesus, you don't know the, the things that I've done. I, I've slept with so many people, you don't even have a clue. Jesus, I'm dirty, I'm dirty. And he looks at you and says, my blood makes you clean as if it never happened. And you are my royal priesthood. And you are a holy nation. Isn't that great? Jesus calls me holy because I am a nation. Some of you are wondering why he's laughing. My name is Brett Nation. That's why. But I feel like God just wants to wrap his arms around you and lead you to a place of repentance. You know what repentance means? It doesn't mean weep and wailing, although sometimes that's what happens. Repentance means to change the way you think. Some of you guys got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you think into realizing God can use you. You got to change the way you think and realize there is a power that is deep inside of you. And that you got to change and say, you know what? I need to discover what that power is. Some of you need to stop doing things in order to be able to be with him to discover what that power is. You want to know what the power is? Go hang out with him. And see what he does. Amen. So I want to pray. I want to, I want to pray. I want all of us to pray. To be honest with you, I think you probably had something that came through your mind during this message and said, you know what? I need, I need to repent because we need to repent. We do. Church, we've been lazy. I want to see Perry transformed. I believe Perry, and this is what's been happening. I, I'll just speak prophetically over Perry. Perry is not a place for people to leave. It's a place for people to come. I really believe that. And, and if you really look over the past five years, you've seen that process beginning. God has brought business. And God has stirred up the idea of business. To Perry. I'm curious what the census might bring this year to see if there was a growth in Perry. I think there's been a little bit. And the potential for growth in people coming. I know some people, I don't want to live in a big city. Listen, let's just let God do what he wants to do because maybe there's people God wants to bring here for healing. But there's got to be a well for healing if he's going to bring people here. And I believe Perry is a place for people to come, not always a place for people to leave. But if the church doesn't do its job, we'll miss the opportunity that God's put before us. And the place our church begins is with your relationship with him. That we come to that place where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Do you know how many people I hear make decisions without even considering the call of God on their life? What we do in making decisions anymore is, is there a better opportunity down the road? Is there more money over here? 
And that's how we generally make decisions. Now, I'm not saying those are wrong thoughts to have. But my first decision is, God, where have you placed me? Because I know if I'm where you've placed me, all those other worries, they're going to come. They're going to be taken care of. When God moved us to Perry, Oklahoma, I had no clue. Financial situation within the church. I'm glad I didn't. God took care of us in so many ways. The question that I had to ask when I moved to Perry, Oklahoma is, Father, is this where you've called me to be? That was the answer. Everything else is taken care of after that. So that's a question for you. I said that as an example for all of us to say, where have you called me to be? It's bigger than what you have resources for. It's bigger than your skills. It's bigger than your past. It's bigger than what you know. It's uncomfortable because it's at a place where you, you may not feel comfortable in that place. So I want to pray. It's COVID, so we're going to pray in our seats, okay? But I want to pray. And I'm, I'm just going to do something. I, we got the piano playing, and I just want to give us a few moments. And I'm just going to sit down here and pray. You guys can close your eyes, whatever you want to do. But just give me just a few moments before you leave. And let's just separate ourselves to him for a moment. And I'm going to pray with my microphone on. But I want you guys to pray. And if you say, man, I've never really done anything like this before. Let me tell you how this works. Just like you're talking to your friend, you're talking to him. There's no big language with God. It's just dad. Amen. Father, I love you. Thank you for this moment, Lord. Thank you for this time. Lord, I just thank you for repenting. It's a beautiful thing, Lord. You put it in our heart so we can line up with you, Lord. Line up with your thinking, your thoughts. Father, your scripture says it's not by that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. I know you're taking us there. Father, thank you for the city that you've placed me in. The people that you've put us in front of us. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, I repent for not sharing that hope. I thank you for the anointing to do that from this day forward. Thank you that that ability is in me and everyone in this place. Father, now is not a time for me to hide, but a time for your light to shine. I love you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
thank you for your presence in this place. You are our Father. You are our Father. Father, I release an anointing on every person in this place. Jesus, you said we are anointed. As you got up and declared, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set people free. Oh, Father, that Spirit is on us. Hallelujah. That Spirit is on us to set people free. Oh, Father, I thank you right now. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. Hallelujah. 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 To ask everyone to stand to their feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you say, I need to make some things right with God. I need to confess him today as my Lord and my Savior. I need to make that choice today. The Bible says God is standing there knocking on your heart right now. He's knocking on your heart. Because he wants in. He wants in. He's ready to love you. Will you let him in today? I'm just going to count to three. and You know, you don't have to do this. But just... Help me out a little bit acknowledging, man, I need to pray this prayer today. I need to, I need to make some things right with God. I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to do that. One, two, three. Would you slip your hand right now? I need to make some things right with God. If you're watching online, you can watch and pray this with us. Quick church, can we have everyone say this with us? Say, Father, I believe in you. And I love you. And you love me. You gave Jesus to die on the cross. And you raised him from the dead for me. Forgive me and fill me today. Thank you that I'm full of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And I am a child in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Today as we close, I just release you right now to go and make a difference. Go make a difference where God's called you to be. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a good Sunday afternoon. We have prayer this afternoon at 4 o'clock. So prayer this afternoon at 4 o'clock.